You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. team we've we've made a commitment that we're going to write uh, one song a year for for our church as a way of communicating just the heart of what God is doing in and through our church you know we have no plans to to do anything beyond that but you know I get an opportunity to use my gift of preaching the heart of the church and I want our team to have an opportunity to use their gift to demonstrate the heart of what God's doing in the church. So I just, I love seeing that happen. I love seeing our team do that. Well, welcome to Vision Giving Sunday. Five people are excited. Come on. Combined service. How good is it having Northwest with us this morning, Central? We love having you guys here. And uh, it's great, it's like when the whole family gathers together at Christmas, it's a big party, put out the extra long tables, uh, it's, it's good. <coughs> I want to dive straight back into a scripture uh, that we spent some time in a few weeks ago. So you should have that already, um, you know, when, you, when your Bible gets a crease because you've been in a passage for so long and you do the the relaxed flick, and it automatically opens to that verse, and it's like God's just preparing you. Can you reopen to 1 Kings chapter 18? If you were here for our volunteers' celebration, um, I began to, to preach a message out of 1 Kings chapter 18, and I want to kind of continue with that this morning. 1 Kings 18, and we're going to kick off at verse 41. 1 Kings 18.41. Now, if you, uh, if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, that's fine. We've got uh, the scripture going up on the screen, so you can follow along on our big digital Bible. Um, but if you've got the analog, well done. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go and enjoy a good meal. I'm so glad that's in the Bible. Go and enjoy a good meal. You know, sometimes... We just need to go and enjoy a good meal. It's going to sort out a whole lot of stress and pressure that we have on our life. Just go and have a good meal. Just go and chill out. It's, uh, I'm sure that's a part of a time to breathe that we're heading into. For I hear a mighty rainstorm coming. So Ahab prepared a feast, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and fell to the ground and prayed. Then he said to his servant, go and look out towards the sea. The servant went and looked, but he returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. That's a bit disappointing. Seven times Elijah told him to go and look, and seven times he went as a lesson in obedience. Finally, the seventh time the servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, Hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. 
if you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. And sure enough, the sky was soon black with clouds. A heavy wind brought a terrific, terrific rainstorm, and Ahab left quickly for Jezreel. Can we pray this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it has power. I thank you that it has life. And I thank you, Lord, that you are at work this morning in our lives, both as individuals and as the church here this morning. So God, I pray that, pray that you would do what you have come to do this morning in us. I pray that you would set us up for what you have for us in this third year of Victory Emerging. And I pray that you would begin to release in and through us what you have for our city and our country and the rest of the world. In Jesus' name. And Lord, bless the Knights in their by this week. God, give them supernatural restoration and supernatural skill so they can get off the bottom of the table. Amen. Come on. We've got to keep praying for our team, guys. They're in a bad way. <coughs> Have you ever been to a sports game? Like, you ever been to a Knights match? I can understand if you didn't last till the end. That's okay. But if, if you've ever been to the start of a sports game... If you're one of those people that are super eager and you get there really early, you may have noticed that actually before the game starts, there's actually a whole lot that happens. For those of you that plan your trip to arrive right at kickoff, um, we know those best laid plans often don't work because of the traffic and you miss the kickoff. But for those of you who plan to be there an hour early, at least you have something that happens that holds your attention uh, while you're waiting for the main game to start. And what happens in that time is called the warm-up. Has anyone actually ever been to a game and watched the whole warm-up? Come on. A couple of committed sports people, a couple of fan, real fans. We call them real fans. They're the same fans that get up at 2 a.m. to watch the game, even though it's on replay on Fox at 8 a.m., all right? You're only a real fan if you get up at 2 a.m., sorry. Anyway, the warm-up, the warm-up has a purpose, right? The warm-up uh, prepares the athletes for what's coming, and, and the warm-up is often always the same. They have a routine series of little drills that they do. They warm up their muscles. They do some activities that are going to mimic different aspects of the game to prepare themselves. You know, footy players do the, uh, the shoulder into the, the pads. I'm not a footy player, so that clearly is not how they do it. But, but they're, they're, getting, they're getting themselves ready. And, and there's always one thing that they do at the end. It doesn't matter um, whether or not the warm-up's gone for 10 minutes or, or an hour. It always ends the same always ends with a stretch. It always ends with a stretch because we know, as an because I, I know because I'm an athlete, um, <laughs> yeah, um, but, but you never stretch cold. You never stretch cold because you tear a muscle. You, you always do the warm-up, and then when your muscles are warm, then you stretch because, because when you stretch when they're warm, you're actually uh, putting like anticipation into your muscles so that when the game comes and you've got to do that, that extra long lunge, the muscle is ready for it. So, so we don't do that extra long lunge in the warm-up. We get, we get the muscles ready, and then, and then we stretch, and after the stretch, we're ready for the extra long lunge. And I... I mean, I haven't watched many warm-ups, but sometimes I, I get there early enough. And, and you feel like if you watch the whole warm-up, sometimes you're like, it was as long as the game. I feel like I've got my money's worth. I've seen both teams. I've seen what they're bringing to the table. Uh, I can predict what's going to happen. They're going to win. Their warm-up was way better. Um, and I feel like I could go home right now. I feel like that was, that was enough. I got my money's worth in the warm-up. But, 
The problem is that the warm-up is, is just the preparation, all right? Have you ever considered that God's perspective might just be a little bigger than ours? That what we think is the whole story is just God's introduction? That what we kind of think is our whole journey is just the first step? That what you think is your struggle is really just a strength exercise? What if what you think is the end is just a new beginning? You see, death is not the end of life, it's the start of eternity. When creation was completed, that wasn't the end, that was the beginning of life. There's this principle that runs through Scripture that sometimes we have to get up above our perspective to see God's perspective because our perspective sees each year as a year rather than what God sees as a moment in eternity. What if our new vision, Victory Emergent, was just a warm-up? What if when we came and we pledged each year to see what God would do that year, we didn't realize what we were actually giving into was just the preparation? Saying to someone in the office the other day, I don't, I don't even feel like we're running yet. <laughs> I feel like we're just, we're just getting started. We just, I'm just, my muscles are just getting warm. I don't know about you guys, but my muscles are just starting to get warm again. I've just started to do some exercises that mimic what's going to happen in the game. And, and I feel like we're approaching the stretch. We're not even running yet. What if that message three weeks ago wasn't the whole message? What if it was just the opening statement? What if it wasn't the whole story? What if when we, when we uh, pulled apart that, what Elijah did with the pots, when he went around and he did the big ask three times, what if, what if that wasn't the whole story about what was going on, but it was just a moment in the main event? You see, when we dive back in to 1 Kings, what we find is that that moment, that miracle, although it was significant, it was just a moment in amongst a much bigger story. You see, I got a little summary for you because I didn't want to waste my time like I did last time I preached where I took like half of my time reading scripture, so I snuck in only four verses for you and I put the rest of the summary of what I wanted to read up on the board. It's like the cliff notes for you this morning. But if we were to start, if we were to look at that whole chapter rather than just a, just a snapshot in the middle, we would see that the, the context of that miracle was in a much bigger story. You see, verse 1 of chapter 18 tells us that they're in the third year of the drought. This is the bigger story. The drought is the bigger story. Verses 21 to 40, well, that's all about the showdown. That's what we pulled apart three weeks ago. And if, if you weren't able to hear that or you weren't able to get here, uh, can I encourage you to get the podcast, listen to that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to encourage you to, uh, to, to, to give in to what God is doing in your life in preparation for a miracle. But it was only a snapshot. It was only a little, it was only a little part. It was almost like it was the halftime show in the Super Bowl. Right? Everyone talks about it. It's good. It's a part of the story. It's fantastic. It's incredible particularly if it's done well. But, but we have this showdown, prophet to bar, fire falls. It's, it's not the whole story. Verses 41 to 45, we arrive at the breaking of the drought. We've come full circle. You see, the showdown that we examined was just a warm-up. Fire falling was just the preparation
the actual game was about the drought. The actual game, the actual story, the whole picture was about God breaking the drought. And you've got to see the whole picture. You've got to see the whole chapter. You can't just focus on one year of the vision. You've got to see God's whole picture. If you, just, if you just concentrate on what God's doing in one picture, it's like going and watching just the warm-up and wondering why you didn't see any goals. You've got to wait for the game. You've got to see the whole story. You see, the reason that we concentrated on, on, on what that was three weeks ago is because preparation is needed before provision arrives. You see, if we read the whole story, we recognize there was drought. Then there was a passage where, where the Israelites needed to get prepared for the provision that was coming. Preparation is always needed before provision. They were in the third year of the drought. We're in the third year of our vision, victory emerging. You know, three has significance in Scripture. I don't know if you realize this, but keep picking this number up all the way through this passage. Elijah asked three times for, for the jars to be filled. After the jars were poured out, the preparation was complete. After the three years of our vision come to pass, perhaps our preparation will be complete. On the third day, Jesus was prepared to rise again. It took that period of preparation for him to go from a man on the earth to be able to step into his authority in heaven. Sometimes preparation isn't what we expect. No cross. No crown, no crucifixion, no resurrection, no crown of thorns, no authority in heaven. Jesus' period of preparation enabled him to be the provision for all mankind. The purpose of preparation is about readying a people. Right from the beginning of, the vi of this vision, we have talked about it being about preparing us as a people. I want to give you the three parts of preparation today, if that's all right. The first part of preparation is about refocusing us on who He is, not what He gives. Verse 21 in 1 Kings 18 Elijah says, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. You see, the showdown that they had between, between Elijah and the prophets of Baal, that whole moment that we examined, that whole miracle of fire falling from heaven, that wasn't just preparation, but it was a reminder of who God was. That was the outcome. When the fire fell, it articulated and demonstrated that, that God was the Lord God Almighty. That was what the showdown was over. The showdown was about who is the real God. And when fire fell, it was a reminder to the people of Israel, God is God. Baal is not. And you see, to the Israelites, God came by another name. He came by the name Jehovah. And when the fire fell, they were reminded, He is Jehovah. And we know Jehovah is Jehovah Jireh, the one who is our provider. 
And so when the fire fell, when he provided the fire, it reminded them that he was able to provide. It reminded them that he was the provider. And if he could provide the fire, then he could provide the water. But he needed to provide the fire to remind them that he was still their provider. We have to get a revelation of who he is before we can receive what he gives. You see, what he gives always comes from who he is. What God gives into our lives comes out of who God is. He can't give something that isn't consistent with his character. God can give love because he is love. He always gives out of who he is. And also, if we're able to establish who he is, before we start looking for what he gives, then we ensure that our faith is in him, not in it. You see, if our faith is in it, if our faith is in what he gives, when what he gives doesn't come for longer than we expected, then we get discouraged. Then we, then we lose our passion for believing for the provision because our preparation is incorrect. Our, our preparation is being to put our faith in the provision rather than in the provider who is able you see, if there is a time gap between the provision and what we expected, there's a propensity to lose passion. There's a propensity to give up. There's a propensity to think this isn't going to happen and our faith dwindles and we, we begin to not believe what we believe to begin with and we slip off to the side. But the issue is not that we had faith. The issue is our faith was in it rather than our faith being in, in Him. And so God wants to make sure in our season of preparation that our faith is in who He is, not just in what He gives. You see, if we understand that, that He is our Savior, we can receive salvation. If we understand that He is our healer, we're able to receive healing. If we understand that He is our provider, then we open ourselves up to receive His provision. It's so important that our faith is in what can't move and can't change. You see, what He provides once was fire, what He provided the next time was water, and if our faith is in what he provides and it changes, then our faith is on, uh, is on shaky ground. But if our faith is in his character, which is unchanging and unmoving, then when, when change comes, our faith stays strong. The momentary rush of revelation is only the preparation for the miracle that brings the breakthrough. What drought do you have in your life at the moment? What breakthrough are you believing God for in your life at the moment? We all have them. We all have areas of dryness. We all have areas that we would love to see a breakthrough in in our lives, whether it's person, whether it's family, whether it's business, whatever it is. We all have these areas and we're all believing. We all have promises that we're holding on to that we haven't seen the provision of yet. Can I challenge you this morning that in this season of preparation, that you make sure that your faith for those things is not in those things? but that your faith for those things is in a God who is able to bring those things, but that your faith is secure in Him, irrespective of whether He brings them or not, in the time frame that you set for Him to bring them. For instance, if your faith is in Him as healer, if your healing doesn't come, then your faith is still safe. If your financial breakthrough doesn't come, your faith is still safe. If your business goes under, 
your faith is still safe. Can we be real? Those things happen in our life. We don't plan for them. We don't prepare for them. We don't prepare for for a, a child to not make it in the womb. We don't, we don't prepare for, for a parent not to make it longer than our teenage years. We don't, we don't prepare for these things. And if our faith is in God providing healing or if our faith is in God uh, lifting up our business, then when life doesn't go to plan, our faith gets shaken. Don't lose the passion for the provision while you're in the preparation. Let the revelation be a reminder of who he is and stay anchored in who he is so you're still positioned to receive what he gives. One of the main revelations we've had over the last three years of victory is that God is a good father. And we know from scripture that, that, that a good father gives good gifts to his kids. And if he's father, then we're his kids. And I remember that when Central Campus had to move out of the cinema complex, this place landed on our lap as a miracle. But this place, I believe, was just a reminder, was just God reminding us that He can provide, that He is provider, that He is able to provide whatever we need, in whatever season, that he is able to provide other campuses. When the season is right, he is able to provide. He is able to provide for us a building. He is able to provide for us finance to do this in the community. He is able to because he is. He is our provider, and this building is a reminder that he's our provider, but we're still in preparation. You know, we launched something pretty awesome this week in the creative team. We launched for the first time in a long time, probably since I was involved in youth ministry, we launched a youth band in partnership with our youth ministry so that they have an opportunity to worship God on a Friday night. And I'm super pumped about that youth band, and I'm, I'm super pumped about the next five to ten years when, when the members of that youth band are going to be uh, the core members of our creative team up here on a platform, but right now they're in preparation. I look out, I got a live youth right here, third row. Come on, represent, where are we? Woo! Right there, there's the pillars of the kingdom in the next 10 years, but right now, they're in preparation. We look out and sometimes we don't see the provision that we expect because we forget we're in preparation. Can I say that the answer to your loneliness might be just around the corner, but he's in preparation? You do not want him to come early. Let me tell you, you do not want him to come before God has prepared him to be with you. The answer to grow your business, you might not be able to see them right now because they're 17 and they're about to sit their HSC, but God has them in preparation. Don't lose a passion for the provision that you're believing for in your life in whatever context because it's taking a little longer than you realize. It is in preparation. And we are in preparation. The second part of preparation is about becoming a people who can hold the provision. If you've got your Bible, let's flick uh, to Luke 5. It's on the screen again. 
starting in verse 4. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets and you'll catch many fish. Master Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, we'll try again. Some of you this morning, I believe God's saying, just try again. Just try again. Just go again. Just do it again. Just do it again. They marched around the walls of Jericho six times before the seventh time arrived. Elijah's servant went and looked six times and didn't see anything. Do it again. And this time, their nets were so full, they began to tear. A shout for help brought the partners in the other boat, and soon both boats, both boats, both campuses, soon both campuses were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Come on, who's believing for both campuses to be full of fish? The miraculous catch represented the provision that Peter required. He's a fisherman. Let's not, let's not forget that at this point in time in his journey. He is a fisherman. This is his business. His business is to put fish on at the market stall, and if it doesn't come in, he's got a business issue. His, the provision he needed was the fish. But if Peter had not been diligent in his preparation, he never would have been able to handle the provision. You see, Peter was a fisherman, and fishermen do these things week in and week out, these routine activities, these, these somewhat mundane tasks week in and week out to make sure that they are prepared for the provision that they're after. In, in Mark chapter 1, 19, it tells us about two other fishermen, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And it says that what they were doing at the point in time when Jesus stepped into their world to do something miraculous, what they were doing was simply mending the nets. They were simply doing what was required week in and week out as a fisherman. But I can tell you if they didn't do that, if Peter hadn't been diligent in doing the week in, week out, mundane, routine things that he had to do as a fisherman, if he hadn't been prepared to continue doing that week in and week out, he never would have been prepared for when the provision arrived in his nets because his nets would have had holes and the fish would have gone in and the fish would have gone out. I seem to remember Pete Edwards sharing a vision halfway through Victory Emerging about mending the nets. It's routine sometimes, it's mundane sometimes, that's what preparation looks like. But if you don't maintain, you can't manage. I know we've got some defense force personnel in our congregations. And although I haven't been a part of it, speaking and, and, and watching movies, which are clearly accurate, um, a huge part of being in the defense force is routine, correct? They, they, they prepare and they prepare and they go through routine and they go through practice and they go through routine and they go through practice and they go through routine and they go through practice and it gets regular and it gets mundane. But can I tell you it has a purpose because when they step into the battlefield, it kicks in. It kicks in when they need it to kick in, when they need to be ready to, 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 to be defense people. Whatever they are, right? Army, Navy, Air Force. <laughs> the, the words went. They're prepared because they did the preparation. They stayed in the routine 
They stayed in what seemed mundane. They stayed in what they had to do week in and week out. When we put up our signs, when we get our boards out the front and we're shaking them around like, you know, we're doing the twist. Come on, don't leave me hanging. When that gets mundane, we need to remember that we're in preparation. That when we welcome people with a smile on our face and it seems like we're doing a week in, a week out and we're welcoming the same people, let's not lose our passion for the preparation because the provision might just be around the corner. And if we haven't been maintaining our nets, if we haven't been doing the routine preparation that's required week in and week out, we might not be ready when the miraculous provision arrives. Don't lose heart. Don't let your face drop. Don't Come on, when you're parking five cars, don't feel like you're, you're doing something that's not required because can I tell you, you're practicing for when you need to park 150 cars. You're practicing for when you need a, to, to park 500 cars in a multi-story car park. You, you, you're, in, you're in preparation. And if we don't understand the preparation, then we don't prepare ourselves for the provision properly. Let's not forget that for Peter, the nets, for us, represent the church. The fish represent humanity. The church, we know from this vision, it's not a building. We're the church. We are the net. I don't know if you realize that. The way in which we connect to each other in this place when we gather, the things that we do together when we gather, is the formation of a net. And that doesn't mean when we gather here on a Sunday or at Northwest on a Sunday, what it means is whenever we gather, our connect groups form part of that net. Our, our prayer meeting forms part of that net. Our, our creative rehearsal forms part of that net. Our youth on Friday night is part of that net. When we gather together, we form the net because we are the church and the church is the net. He's preparing us as a people. He's repairing the holes in the nets, so that when the harvest begins to arrive, we can manage the influx of the miraculous catch. Third part of preparation is developing us as a people who are willing to go and seek the harvest. Last, or not last, sorry, just lied from the platform. 2 Kings 4, 2 Kings 4. If you kept your finger in 1 Kings, you can just flick a little. 2 Kings 4, 1 to 7, great little story about some miraculous provision. It says, one day a widow of Elisha's prophets, I think I started at verse 2 on the screen, sorry. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? What do we have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of oil. You know, sometimes we need to remember that the one thing we have as the church is the Spirit of God. That's what separates us, is we have God, we have the Spirit, we have the anointing. That's what we have in the house. If we don't, if we don't recognize we have anything else in this house, what we need to recognize we have is an overflowing, abundant supply of oil in this life, right? Nothing at all except a flask of oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask 
into the jars, set the jars aside as they are filled. So she did, as she was told. Her sons bought as many jars for hers, and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil, pay your debts. There will be enough money left over to support you and your sons. The provision stopped when the jars that she had prepared were all full. Such a significant part of our preparation is developing a willingness to go out and find empty jars. The empty jars represent humanity, lost, empty, hurting, trying to fill themselves with all kinds of things that are going to sustain, all kinds of things that bring hope and peace, but it's temporary. The oil represents the spirit that we receive and salvation, that all of us, the Bible says, are filled with the Spirit. Don't tell me you don't have anything. Even if you have nothing else, you have a jar, which is you, filled with oil. Where Jesus says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I believe if we're going to see revival in Australia, in Newcastle, we need to lose the mentality that decisions for Christ are just going to walk themselves into our house. We need to lose the mentality that the people are just going to walk into a relationship with Christ. Reading statistics a few weeks ago that talk about how people are fully aware that their spirituality is kind of a, a, a non-event in their life. But they're also equally satisfied with that. We have a nation that's not really searching like perhaps they used to be. But they're out there. The harvest is ready. She sent her sons out of her house, out to her neighbors, to her family, to her friends, and found which of them had empty jars. And she brought all those empty jars back to where she was. And that doesn't mean that we have to bring every empty jar into this place on a Sunday. Because wherever we are is the jar of oil. The jar of oil is in us. Wherever we meet people that are empty, whether it's Monday through Saturday, in your workplace, at the soccer game, wherever it is, you have a full jar and an opportunity to pour it out. We need to go and find the empty jars. We need to be a people who are willing to go and find the empty jars. And then just not find them and go, oh, yeah, you're empty. And walk away. We need to be a people that are willing to do what her sons did. And go and find the empty jars. And go and pick up the empty jar. Carry the empty jar back to a place where the oil was running. And maybe that's your connect group. Maybe that's a Sunday service. Maybe that's a prayer meeting. Wherever the oil is flowing, 
they can be filled. Wherever the oil is flowing, they can find salvation. Who he is, not what he did. Being a people capable of holding the provision and developing a willingness to go. These are our three parts of preparation. And I believe they're three key reasons why we have had a three-year vision that I believe is just a warm-up. Just getting those muscles warm again. Just practicing. So that when the game begins, we're a people that are ready. Just like we began with a story that indicated that the final part of the preparation is the stretch. I believe we're stepping into our final year of this vision about victory emerging. And I believe it's about the stretch. All these other things have been stirred up. The blood's flowing in all these other areas already. We've talked about loving like Jesus. We've talked about going into the community. We've talked about repairing the nets. We're beginning to establish new pathways and processes and things that are going to be able to cope with an influx. These things are happening. The preparation is, is going well. Now we're at the stretch. Isaiah 54, two to three. You guys have heard this probably longer than me at this church. It's the bedrock of our mission, our vision. Hasn't changed since 1990. Looking for a nod from the front. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will, you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in the desolate cities. We're always stretched in the area in which God is about to pour His provision. The Israelites were stretched when they were asked to give water right before God supplied rain. Peter was asked to stretch by putting his nets out again to fish again when he hadn't caught anything because God was about to supply a miraculous catch. And the lady was asked to stretch because she needed finance and Elijah told her to go and get something that was empty. Empty jars not gonna pay the bills. But God was about to pour out an abundant supply of oil so that she could pay every debt and still have left over. We're always stretched in the area where God is about to pour His provision. And as I look around in the different teams represented in this church, we're in a stretch. I don't know if you realize that. We're in a stretch. Our, welcome, our, our venue team is in a stretch. Our kids team is in a stretch. 
Our creative team is in a stretch. We're okay with being in a stretch because we know we're about to step into what God's providing for this church. I'm okay with being stretched because I know it's part of the preparation. If I didn't know the stretch was part of preparation, I wouldn't like the stretch. I wouldn't be able to embrace the stretch. But I know that when I stretch, I'm in the last part of the preparation and the provision is just around the corner. So if we're stretched at the moment in people, it's because there's a provision of people about to come into our church. And if we're stretched in the area of finance, I'm okay with that because I know my God is preparing for a provision of finance to come into this house. And if my business is is stretched at the moment, I'm okay with that because maybe God is preparing for enlargement and expansion. I don't know if you feel a stretch in your life as an individual, but I definitely feel a stretch in this church corporately together as one. We are being stretched, but it's part of our preparation and it's to make sure that we're ready to be able to hold the catch that's coming in. Pastor Anthony Shalala, when he was here, he prophesied we should get our gumboots on as there was rain that was coming. And I'm happy to interpret that rain as people, finance, resources. Because what I know is that my faith is in a God who can provide whatever that rain needs to be for whatever drought I have. So my gumboots are on. These are my gumboots. I'm ready to stretch. I'm ready to stretch in particular in our finances this morning. I'm going to invite Pastor Keith to come up. He's going to lead us as we step into the stretch. I just want to remind you that even when we finish these three years, it's just been the preparation. You know, David spent his whole life on this earth getting land and building homes for Solomon. He thought the whole thing might happen in his lifetime. But his life was just the beginning. And this vision, I believe, is just the beginning. Thanks, Pastor Keith. I'll go back to, before we stretch, I want to go back to that first point. Just close your eyes for a minute. Don't ever want to send the message that this is about what you're about to get focus is purely and solely and wholly on Him for who He is. Do you know Him as your Savior? Do you know Him as the one who came willingly, gave His life, hung on a cross, paid the ultimate price? Because of that, knowing Him as our Savior, we are forgiven, we are free, we are delivered. Do you know Him? I'm not asking, do you know about this baby born in a manger we celebrate every year, December 25. I'm asking, do you know the Son of God? 
who came to this earth, who gave everything so that you and I could have a relationship with our Father in heaven. Do you know Him? That's the most important thing right here, right now, first and foremost. If you'd like to know Him this morning, it's absolutely possible. It can happen so quick just by saying, yes, God, I come to you. Yes, God, I believe in you. Yes, God, I trust in your provision for my salvation as my Savior when you died on the cross. And if that's you this morning, you want to know Him as your Savior. You haven't done this before, or you've done this and you've walked away and it's time to come back. Just slip your hand up right now and say, Keith, pray with me. I need to know Him. I want to know Him as my Savior. I'm not just talking about something you can get from Him, but know Him. Paul, the, the, the cry of Paul's heart was, I want to know Christ. Do you want to know Him this morning? Anybody like that this morning? Let's do this first. This is the most important thing here this morning, first and foremost. First point in the message, it's about Him. Anybody like that here this morning? It's about Him and who He is, the Savior of the world. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you for salvation that's so rich and free. As we heard, God, it happens all over the place, in our services, in our groups, in our lives, in our connections, in our streets, the places where we shop, it happens all over this city. God, we are filled with your spirit, and because of that, we are your witnesses. So we thank you that throughout this week, God, throughout our lives this week, God, oil will be poured out through this city, and people will be born again in Jesus' name. I want to read you, just sitting there, someone from the Spirit and Truth team sent a vision they got. Um, and I want to read this to you because this is applicable in the stretch. Um, it is significant. You know, Nate made reference, before I read that, Nate made reference right before he handed over to you that David might have thought in his lifetime he would see that temple and he didn't, but he was quite happy to have the provision so that the others could see it. And I know the largest that this church and the best this church is ever going to see is not in my time. But what I do know is this. I want to be able to hand over something that, that gives so much provision that you guys are about three levels up and running, you know. And, and that's what today is about. That's what these days are about. We're preparing for something greater. We're preparing for the more. This is the stretch. And this is the vision that one of our Spirit and Truth team got. As we sang the new song written by our team, I saw the following. I was lifted up over the city looking down at HSPA. I saw sparks begin to fly. And the sparks landed on people who began to burn. A wind began to blow and the flames started to fly out over different parts of the city as I watched. This created a fire that grew so large it began to develop its own weather pattern. Lightning strikes built the fire and it became fierce. I heard God say, I am the spark, faith, revival. I am the wind, pushing the flame, spirit. I am the storm, power, presence. You are the flames touching and engulfing this city. That's what it's about today. That's what it's about today. So I want you to just, um, I want you to just close your eyes for a minute. I want you to just spend a little bit of time with God and with each other. 
as a couple, if you're here with your spouse. And I want you to ask God, did I really come prepared this morning to be stretched? Did I come ready for God to take me to places that I thought I wasn't ready to go, but now I am? The warm-up is over. The stretch is beginning. Listen, I am speaking over every one of you. It is time to stretch, not you're out of the warm-up. Writer of Hebrews said that. Let's move beyond the basic things. You are now getting off of milk. You are ready for some meat. Let's stretch. So, Father, right now in Jesus' name, this is not about a dollar figure. This is about a preparation for something that is coming that is so large we can't even imagine. We can see fire all across this city in Jesus' name. Enlarge our hearts right now. You said in your word, let them enlarge. Let them stretch out the place of your tents. Father, the needs of this city and beyond stretch us right now. This is not about paying a bill. This is about being stretched to reach those who need you. Father, we are beyond the warm-up. We are now in the stretch. Our giving right now represents our faith in a provision that is abundant and more. So we go to the stretch right here, right now. Just speak right now. The most important thing is that we hear you because faith comes when we hear your voice. Speak to every individual. Tell us, Lord, what we're meant to do, what we're meant to give to, what we're meant to provide for. Stretch us. Just speak, Father. Just speak, Father. I'm going to ask right now for the staff and the board members to come and give and then line up across the front because we're going to pray for every one of you in the stretch. But I want you to do something for us. You guys, once you've given the staff and the board members, your spouses, just stand across the front. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.